Right, everyone. Thank you, and welcome to episode two of Herbs and Co. I am joined by a very good friend of mine, architect, soon to be PhD student, and just tremendous personality, Murti Alwazni. Did I pronounce that right, Murti? You pronounced it correct. How's it going, buddy? How are you? Good. All good. Yeah, not too bad. Although I think you're better because uh, you're chilling in a cabin right now in uh, Norway, right? Yeah, yeah. We are uh, just a weekend getaway. Yeah, in a cabin with a little snow and meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile we've got like <laughs> lockdowns here and construction. So no, it's yeah. good. It's good you've gone to the countryside, and that's that's one thing actually. I I have uh, visited you before, and um, I really wanted to go see the fjords and just all the yeah. nature of uh, Norway. I mean, I I loved Oslo. I think it's a tremendous city, and I would de- I definitely feel like I missed out by not living there for a few months. But yeah. tell me. Tell me, what's it been like living there? Like, I want to hear Oslo from your point of view. Ah, uh, Oslo. I've um, I moved. I moved here 2015. Yeah, that was uh, summer 2015. So finished uh, studying in London, and I just like, yeah. Which is where we met, basically. Over here, yeah, yeah. That was the all good days. <laughs> Definitely London. great days. Yeah. Um. So um, just just for everyone to know, Murti, can you? Give us a bit about your background. Uh, like I've given you a tiny intro, but I, I want to know more about how you got into the field and you know where yeah. you grew up and all. So I'm a I'm a Dutch-born Iraqi that moved to Lo- moved to London to study, and then moved to Oslo. So I've been around Europe quite like I mean, yeah, yeah all over the place to be honest and. Uh, don't know if I've chosen the easiest path to uh, for careers or I don't know. It, it was fun, so I've I've done I've done a little. Uh, we we all have questioned our career and, moves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but now now I'm based in uh, Oslo happily on uh, working here, and uh, I also studied here as well, done my masters. So I'm a full qualified architect since 2018. So not that long, but uh, it feels very long. <laughs> it's it's been a it's definitely been a long road I, because we've been friends for a good few years now, and yeah. I mean the struggle, which I know some people are definitely going through right now, and some people have just finished that struggle of like managing, you know, especially when you get later on and a lot of your friends start their careers and you're still studying, and it's just when, which yeah. is something I want to dive into, by the way, managing workloads, specifically in the industry that you're in and in the profession I've chosen yeah. and many other professions, workload, I mean, can really cause some mental health issues. But before I dive into that, which is what I want to break into later, um, I was keen on knowing, and I've got my experiences, but I mostly grew up in the Middle East, whereas you yeah. mostly grew up in Europe. So I was keen on knowing about your experiences in Growing up in Europe and living in Scandinavia as a Middle Eastern person, has there been any differences, any issues, any problems you've had? Uh, the things you have to maybe know about Oslo. Oslo is very small. Like, I mean, Norway in general doesn't have a lot of population. It's not really high. And, and, and Norway is quite a wealthy country in, the com- com- in that kind of sense. Uh, where everyone, most of the people that I've met here that are Middle Eastern or have a different kind of background, they do live in a quite a comfortable lifestyle. So I don't think they 
there, oh, there's always going to be tension between racism and race and all of that. But I think the fact that the country is so wealthy and there's job opportunities and there is opportunities for people to actually make a living, buy a flat, and, and I think it relaxes people a bit more and it doesn't create that much tension. Saying this, and I have to be very careful so when saying this, you, there is always going to be tension with different backgrounds or different cultures when you come into one place or another. And of course, you had this a lot when you say to them, "Oh, where are you from? You're from the Netherlands," and then they give you that little, little look. Yeah, but uh, are you are you from the Netherlands? <laughs> like is, is there, they're just waiting <laughs> for that little extra. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in one way maybe the sad thing we I, I maybe both of us maybe got used to it to the fact that we just yeah it, it is what it is and you just like uh, say it and. And then it's like, like choosing your battles as well. Do you, do you want to choose, you want to use so much energy on kind of uh, well, using your whole life to prove people wrong or like in that kind of sense, there's always going to be people with such short-minded and they don't going to accept you how you are. And that's, that's super fine with me. Yeah, and if you don't accept who I am or accept where I'm from, yeah, that's your. I mean, like, I'm not gonna waste my energy to be able. And 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 that's what they actually want. They they drive through that negativity. They or feed that off that negativity. Oh yeah. God, you have they to see. It. I know those yes. people, man. And I mean, like, as a person from, like, you have to be. I mean, it's very difficult as well sometimes to give, like, you know, just turn around or because you feel like you just want to stand there and just like make a big deal out of it, but. I mean, choosing. Yeah, yeah, choosing for sure. Your battle. That's exactly what it is. And, uh, it, it's an interesting one as well, because um, so th- where we have differences as much as we have similarities is um, all you've known growing up is Holland. Of course, you're truly Arab, Middle Eastern. But um, I mean, your exposure has been to uh, Holland growing up. That's it. So you would fall in the European category more, whereas... Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, I did live in Iran. I did live in Dubai. I I, I have yeah. been around that Middle East culture more, so I identify more with that. That's mm-hmm. not saying that you're not true to your roots, because <laughs> since I've met you, they were one of the reasons we bonded so well is because of the roots that we have. But yeah. um, it, it's still interesting how in nowadays, like you said, people feed off the energy. Some people, it's a bit of a power move for them where they mm-hmm. they do want to kind of separate that and say, no, no, but where are you from really? You know, and yeah. That it's caused a lot of issues in the workplace. I know many people that have complained. I personally have not experienced it, if I'm being totally honest. I've maybe I have experienced it and I haven't noticed it. It's just it's it's been the least concerning thing for me. Whereas exactly. my focus in the workplace has been how good of a job can I do? If if your job is good enough, no matter what race you're from or uh, whatever background you come from, you know it's unquestionable uh, that they they can't deny you. Maybe once, twice in the long run, you can't be denied. In terms of what you want to do and it's been proven throughout history look at all the um african-american athletes in the u.s for example that dealt with racism i mean muhammad ali man like winning a gold medal and then after winning a gold medal for the u.s going and sitting in a restaurant and they tell him he can't dine there that is ridiculous but everything that all these athletes have overcome muhammad ali prevailed and look at may rest in peace by the way look at all the Look at the movement he caused, and not just him, but all the other athletes that have dealt with some form of 
um again i, I love how we're, i'm comparing us to athletes by the way yeah exactly <laughs> and the best athletes ever <laughs> yeah but people that have dealt with some form of adversity it's if, if you focus on the end goal and if you look past it as much as it can be difficult historically it's been proven that you do make a difference and you do reach where you want to reach in the end that's that's my yeah. personal kind of theory on it yeah i i i i totally agree and this is like not the first time we actually have this kind of conversations because we have this like we meet quite a lot like at least once a year before this COVID thing and we travel and see each other quite a lot and we have this kind of discussions and i think all like me you and all our kind of friends are quite different and from different backgrounds and different cultures but we also don't look maybe you just said now you never experienced that work or you never really paid attention to it yeah. it's because i think you're also a type of person that really don't care in that kind of sense or maybe it comes by you and you, and someone tried to provoke you and you don't bite in that kind of sense yeah and there's other people that really are sensitive in that kind of sense Absolutely. and that's where the difference difference can be and yeah. uh, it, it's a, i i think it's a difficult and and i mean like in an ideal world and would be that everyone respects everyone else and doesn't do anything in that kind of sense but sadly we're not and i don't think we are made to be perfect and to be ideal and i think this is always going to happen and i think i mean like you can see history is getting better and better and better and i think right, yeah, yeah. and uh, we just have to do what we have to do to get better and it's just generations i guess like yeah that's just reminded me by the way a quick shout out to our international group of friends that we are very very close although brothers i would call them so shout out manuel yeah. shout out bobby shout out dari vex uh who am i yeah. missing that ah, that's uh, <laughs> uh, there's lots more <laughs> yeah yeah i saw the podcast for your first one with uh darius uh, yeah it was, it was a really good one i We're really enjoyed it more. i really really enjoyed it i'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it um definitely more to come so yeah. moving on to the next topic, let's talk about your craft, what you're really good at. And uh, what I know for a fact you've been killing it in the industry is architecture. Give us mm. like a glimpse of, you mentioned one thing before we start recording is a portfolio in your industry versus my industry. So why don't you kick that off for us? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go one step a little bit back before starting sure. with, uh, with portfolio. And I want to talk, when I so when I moved here in 2015, I applied for a few jobs and it wasn't super successful. So I said, okay, I need to, I gave myself six months to find a, a, like a career job with what I had from London. It wasn't the most successful time, but then I said, okay, then I'm going to study. I'm not going to do my master's and I'm going to learn education and get into the network in that kind of sense to, through schools because if you're i think i really do believe university schools are the best network because over there you find out who is who and what is what and which companies are the best and which are not um so when i was studying my masters i uh, two years uh, and i focused really on a topic which is architecture and healthcare where i started off which is like a topic that's quite not really, not a lot of people have really talked about it yet. And, uh, and it's maybe a difficult bit. 
to to dive in. Two years of uh, <laughs> long nights and uh, a lot of kind of uh, uh, fa I failed quite a lot actually in that kind of uh, uh, paper itself. Yeah. But in the end, I, I came up with a really good uh, paper, and uh, my master was a super success, and I won two awards in Norway, uh, and I got recognized in the uh, in, in, in Norway in the architecture world. And uh, one of the comp one of the main people that recognized me and gave me an award was a place called Startspeak, and they are the they are the governmental uh organization that gives out the projects to the architect firms and they do from hospitals to universities to schools to council houses to urban planning from um and they are the one that recommended me to the company that i'm working now which is called ratio and they have an amazing portfolio and a really good one and they focus on hospitals and they have they have done a lot of hospitals all around the world. And uh, and I was like, yes, that's the place that I want to work at. And, uh, and I've been working there for uh, since 2018. And uh, enjoy it, love it. And I'm learning every single day. And that's so important. Uh, very happy, very, very happy there. Um, but portfolios and, and when I started, and this is this is just a recent uh, the, like me knowing this it's a big i always thought okay big companies that have big portfolios okay they are always secure they are okay the bigger the portfolio they have uh, the in inside the portfolio the bigger project they have that is super secure until a recent inc incident at work where we we have like maybe seven or eight massive projects we're talking about seven thousand eight thousand uh, square meter uh, buildings and we lost one project which was uh, quite a sad thing and in within two weeks we we had 10 of our architects that had to be shifted around into the office and to be placed into other projects so our company could go and be I mean they could survive for six seven months until we could find other projects Wow. And our yeah, and our and 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 I thought this should not be a problem. We have only big projects, so we just put them wherever. But then I got into like companies or like architecture firms could not survive with only big projects. Yeah, and our portfolio has to be like, and I don't know how it is with you, but I mean I think it's very important to have also the small projects that could support a whole company in that kind of sense. And, and this comes, and they read a book and they were talking about this jar concept where you have how to fill a jar quite successful or in the most effective way. And if you think about that, if you just fill it up with big stones and those big stones are referred to uh, big projects in a, in a portfolio and then you think okay that's full but it's not you need like the sand that goes in between those big stones when you have it in the jar and then you have the liquid and so the, all of those small projects that that is a full portfolio and and I do agree 
if you have a big project in your portfolio or two, it's easier to be a successful portfolio when you have like smaller projects coming in, then maybe building it from small projects to uh, uh, bigger projects. But that's also something that I, I'm very interested to find out and knowing how to build a good portfolio and a successful portfolio in a, in a, in a company or an organization or in a firm or something like that, because I think the term portfolio, it's, it's the collection of the work or actually a collection of your knowledge in that kind of sense. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very similar on this side, but, um, uh, portfolio for us is basically a collection. It's a collection of your investments. Um, a couple of things on what you were saying, which I really love the jar concept. I have a counter to the jar concept, or maybe something that can go with it actually is the 80, 20 rule, which you probably are aware of. So yes, I agree with you. It's great to, um, have these smaller projects. I, I definitely don't think so. What you said about the larger projects that instantly made me think in terms of investing diversification. If you, if I just mm. focus on, we have like value stocks, which tend to be the larger companies. And then we have growth stocks, the smaller companies that are risky, that are growing like crazy. Um, if I was to just focus on value stocks, who knows, something going to happen, a certain company might go bust. But if I also put all my money into a growth stock, someone like uh, a company like Neo, which I am currently invested in, EV market, they're doing really well. But I mean, they're, they're on the rise. They're killing it. If something, there's also more risk involved because they're still loss making. So it's good to diversify. But I was reading the uh, book, which I'm almost done with, A Random Walk Down Wall Street. And it's one of the best investing books I've ever read. I highly recommend everyone to read it. And there's a chapter which it discusses um, that it's not so much by di diversifying between different companies that you get better returns in the long run, but it's diversifying between different asset classes. So you have your stocks, you have your bonds, you have your real estate. That by diversifying, by that being included in your portfolio, that's when you get the best results over a long term of time. Yeah. So that's that's portfolio for us. But quickly before we go back, the 80-20 rule um, is focusing because we, we can have too many clients as well. We can have a lot of clients that, and we've had this at our company, where you, you've got clients that don't necessarily give you the majority of your income, but they require the most work. So the 80-20 rule to really butcher it and dumb it down in a way, it's just to focus on the 20% of your clients that give you 80% of your income. But that's yeah. where it leads more into efficiency, I guess. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. It's very difficult because I, 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 as I said, I dive into port the concept of portfolio and how to build it or what it is. It's quite, quite new for me as well. Yeah. But, and I talked about in investment, they say, and you have to tell me if this is right or wrong in that kind of sense, but what makes more where could you build your hours more? Is it on smaller projects or is it on bigger projects? And in in my in in, in architecture term or in architecture industry, we have quite a big hours that we have that we could build to big projects or governmental projects. But the mo but they are not always the most profitable because they are very a lot of hours. So we have to put our prices down that kind of sense. Yeah, but the most profit that we make in our hours is actually the smaller projects, which are less hours. 
we're talking about maybe a house of 100 hours or 150 hours to be used to draw or to design or something like that. The hourly rate of that one is much higher, maybe sometimes double or triple than the hourly rate that we give to, for example, a governmental project, which is like we're talking about tens of thousands of hours that we have to that's give. That's interesting. Them. Yeah, that's so, quite interesting. So, in, in I don't know how that is. Do you like in 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 finance or billing billing hours? How does that all work? Do you have all fixed rate or do you kind of um, and when you say that you focus on the 20% of your uh, clients that gives you 80% interest, so that means it's not necessarily that the, the biggest clients or the biggest companies that give you that much of profit, it could true, be true, that 20, 20% could be also the most smallest uh, Absolutely agreed, yeah. companies. Yeah, it wasn't the largest companies necessarily that gave us the no. largest amount of revenue. It might have been the mm -hmm. mid-sized ones, but um, yeah. uh, with us, it's more, again, it varies. I mean, a law firm might be different. With us, we have certain tiers of uh, additional like hourly fees. Like I have my own exactly rate. Exactly like us. Uh, a manager would have their own rate. So it, it totally depends on who's doing the hourly work. Me being yeah. as lucky as I am um, and working in the finance function of the company, I only get a limited portion of time uh, facing mm. clients. And as of recently, because we got acquired by a larger company, we've actually uh, moved over all of our clients, the clients that we offer accounting to, to the yeah. larger group. So now I mainly deal with the finance of the company, but um, it was in tears beforehand. So yeah. the 80-20, I do agree with you because, um, I mean, we've had some clients where when we, when I pulled some info, and because we track how much time gets spent per client, as I'm sure yeah. you do as well. Um, yeah. When you actually pull the info out and you realize, okay, we're getting paid this much by this client, but look at the amount of hours we're putting in versus this client, which we're putting barely any time for that pays us double the amount that this larger client does. Mm. So in that sense, yeah, it's, it's totally about the same thing. Um, yeah. Just in different industries. Yeah. And then, and then this is, this is what comes into what is quite fascinating what's happening in the situation at my firm at the moment is that we 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 only have been focusing or this is like a new management that's getting involved in all of that they are only folk they have, have been only focused on mega projects which is sounds amazing and they are very relevant but in kind of the business term in that kind of sense of when a big project goes down they are not, they don't bring you that much money to be able to survive for six months until you get another project, which yeah. is kind of a scary thing. So we like, uh, I'm also part of this board now that we are trying to redevelop this portfolio and do competitions uh, to win like this medium size to small size project where we could fill into our portfolio that makes it a bit more, yeah, sustainable, I guess, and more kind of, that we are not so vulnerable as we were. Actually, we are a bit now. It's, it's, it's balancing out now because we do have like a three months kind of buffer system where we could like try to find something and put our employees. But for a company of 70 people and having that kind of a <laughs> three months only, it's a bit, uh, it's, a, it's a scary thing, especially with yeah. those times now with COVID and everything. So it's, um, 
I, mean, I, I definitely feel you because, uh, I mean, everyone knows if you don't, everyone knows. I mean, I come from the accounting background, but everyone knows the pain that architects and medical students go through when they get educated for this field. So uh, it, it's a known thing. And one of my, I mean, probably my closest friend ever, she, she's also a very talented architect. And um, I've, I've been aware of the hours that's been spent with no sleep and whatnot. Uh, working on these things so then to go and to finally reach the point of applying it in a working environment that must be rewarding you no know, to say okay look all those freaking hours that i was killing myself for now i'm get, yeah. getting to do what i love yeah i mean it's 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 i don't, I, I i'm very happy where i am and i'm very happy with the career choice made and i could see myself doing this for a very long time uh, that's, that's a powerful thing uh, and uh, I've worked super hard. And I, as I said, I I chose to move to another country. Uh, I, as I said, didn't really choose the most uh, maybe sensible maybe or idea thing to do, just graduating from university and then moving to a whole new, new country, learning a whole new language, finding out what is what. Didn't know nothing about architecture. I didn't know nothing who is what and how the system works and everything. Uh, but it worked out well, I guess. Uh, it, uh, as I said, it's, uh, um, uh, it 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 made. I've learned a lot. Uh, would I go through it again? Maybe not the exactly same way, <laughs> but I. Uh, but it uh, it's done now, and it's uh, something that I could always. Hindsight exactly. is 2020, man. But um, <laughs> one really important thing, by the way, and we've both, again, experienced this. So one key thing which I do love about you, and I think it's super valuable to anyone listening to this or watching this to understand is, I, I talk about this a lot, I used to talk about this a lot, is getting out of your comfort zone and like people's perspective on failure. I know at some point throughout the university process in London, you experienced big failure. In my early second year, I experienced failure as well in different forms. Do you not feel, I mean, the, the drive that you get, the motivation that you get, it, it, it's all depending on how you approach it. Once, once you've experienced the low of the low, the drive that you get is just unreal. I just felt like I was possessed afterwards. It's like the, you get tunnel vision. You're like, this is what I want to achieve. This yeah. is what I want to do. And nothing else matters. Everything else gets blurred out. I feel like you experience this. Bobby experiences our friend Darius Emmanuel, like they've, they've all experienced this kind of tunnel vision, but it always tends to be after some form of setback, which people just get that extra drive. That's why, yeah. um, before you explain it, that's why I, it's very important. And I keep telling everyone, fail forward. If you're going to fail, don't, the real failure is not doing something. Okay. Exactly. But fail forward. Every time, if you fall down and if you fall like one, if you do 1% better than you did last time, that's an improvement because those one percent add up to freaking ten percent after ten months. Yeah, I, man, I this is the best thing, and I always like remember that we always talk about, it. and it's just so it's so good to actually kind of not forget it in the, in one way, and because it's very easy to say, okay, I don't I want this, uh, I want this out of my memory, I, no more, don't want to think about this negativity or something. But you know what, I I sit down and I think about it, and I I, I kind of. I, I, very briefly, it, it's my third year, fi like final year of my bachelor at London. 
I dropped so low. I got into so much like stuff that I didn't. I, I graduated. I got my I got my certificate. I got my bachelor, but I I I, did, I didn't go to my ceremony. I, I yeah. And because I I hated I hate myself in that kind of sense of what happened over there, and I also. And but to be honest, like I'm also I'm so, now looking back to it, I'm super happy that it actually happened because yeah. at that point it was for me I'm not staying in the UK anymore. Yeah. And when the opportunity came to move to Oslo, I took it, and it was that incident that made me actually come over here, which is a very 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 like it was kind of a key thing for me to kind yeah. of make that decision because I did have my girlfriend that is Norwegian and she was already living here but it was not sure for me that it was like the right move to do but that incident really kind of said okay I need to get out of here I need to kind of refresh I need to it's it's admirable it. man it's it, that's why I say perspective is everything it no matter like people experience failures in different ways you know it's it's yeah. a range of things but one thing that's been proven to me and some people might blame it on my stupidity of like taking things head on it's like oh you know what i feel like boxing this weekend but uh, it, i feel like by putting yourself out there enough you know surely there's going to be opportunities that you're going to miss and you're going to suck at but as long as you're not afraid and you don't give a shit what anyone thinks and you just get that tunnel vision and say look this is what i want to do and there's nothing that's going to stop me from doing that the rest like it, it just becomes a step-by-step process of you reaching where you are. I mean, look at where you're at. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what you've achieved. I'm proud of our group for everything yeah. they've achieved. It, it's how you take on things. And that's actually going to lead me to the next point is you've decided to take on the next challenge, which is you're going to start your PhD. How do you feel about that? And are you freaking crazy? Uh, yeah, this PhD. So this is, I got an email just, just before, uh, just before New Year's, actually, like two, three months before, and I was like, and it was my old professor at uh, in Oslo, and he was like, we have a, a position opened in a PhD, and I think, and he was like, I think you should propose, write a proposal, and you should write it according to your master's thesis, which is uh, architecture and dementia, and how we could improve architecture, architecture with like healthcare in that kind of sense, and um and i was like really i'm such in i'm such in a good position at the moment i'm happy with work i don't like uh, don't want it but i was like this is a good opportunity if if my professor is just telling me to do this and he really thinks it's gonna be a good a good few years and i was like yeah sure let me write it down and i was like okay maybe i'll go through the process and see it and yeah just in the new year, so yes, uh, you start in uh, September, October, right in the PhD. But I, I did, I did actually put my own terms into this one because I didn't want it to be a fully academic uh, PhD. So it's going to be a more practical as well. Nice. So um, uh, I put a proposal in through that I could combine my PhD on actually ongoing hospital that is being built in Oslo. So my PhD will be focused on my academic theory, research, analysis, the papers that I will be writing about topics 
according to dementia and architecture and have a platform which is within my firm as well a new hospital how we could implement those research into a conceptual and architectural way so that will be the kind of twist on it or or kind of a more practice artistic i like that phd and i think in that kind of sense i don't lose on the workload and i don't lose on this kind of work environment and i'm still kind of yeah i think it makes the project also much richer and i think my my company is super positive and they're very supportive and they are gonna help out that's amazing. Uh, so um yeah it's so it's going to be a very interesting and uh hard few years where you're just going to give up some sleep but you've become uh professional at giving up sleep after uh, uh, having a baby which oh. is the next bit uh, i want to dive into <laughs> you are also a father so let me yes. let me let's just put everything into perspective you're you're the first one out of our group to become a dad yeah. uh gave birth uh well you didn't give birth but your lovely yeah. girlfriend uh gave birth <laughs> to a beautiful fiance rather to a yeah. beautiful son which we all love and can't wait to see yeah. but um so the massive architecture workload the studies that you have and the studies you're gonna have uh you've currently stopped your studies and you finish your master's but um all together with being a dad that's yeah. some uh next level shit workload i know you're not you're not the only one there's other people in the world that do this but uh no. the question is how do you like how do you deal with it so far because i know you've barely slept in definitely the first year yeah um i mean how do we deal with it? i mean like that first year is such a blur to be honest i mean uh, we talk about it it's like we can't even remember what we done or how it was i don't, don't think it's just because we were so tired and so it's, it's, it's it was hard but it's it's like we've been talking like i don't know about our careers and how we studied and all of that and we all think oh how rewarding that is but i think it's the most having having a son is the most rewarding thing of wow. it's the best thing ever <laughs> it's the best thing ever that i've ever done uh yeah she just <laughs> here <Hello>. he is <laughs> Oh just God, running up hurting so people. Yeah. No, it's the most uh rewarding <laughs> thing I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Um so, uh, so I, I actually described it as um, to my friends as unlocking the next <laughs> level of love. <laughs> I think uh, he wants to join uh, in. Yeah, I think he does. <laughs> but uh you can you can take a yeah. second if you want. Yeah, should we just have a one yeah, no Mm-hmm. 
Hey, sorry about that. No, all good, all good. Hey, okay, and we're we're back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so I was saying, yeah. having <laughs> I spoke to my friends, and from what I've heard, and someone did confirm it to me, another uh, couple that I really love, really really good friends of mine. Um, they also had their first kid, a uh, beautiful girl, and uh, they the first thing they messaged me saying is like, new level of love unlocked. <laughs> so it's it's very interesting exactly. and i'm definitely looking forward to that day when it does come around but um it's it's very assuring for me to hear that from you and uh, how like at the moment like for example my mindset is definitely okay uh what am i going to achieve in my career what what places am i going to visit what am i going to do and uh it's good to have some other goals that you're not aware of that you're going to have yet but then once they do arrive suddenly they cut in line in yeah. front of everyone else that's the most important thing to you you're, you're never ready for it. Uh, I mean, like, it's, uh, you, you are, uh, I, it, it's hard, it's hard work, but it's the most rewarding work. And when you come from work or you're studying and you are, and you have your son or daughter coming into the door and just like a smile, you just forget every single little thing that happened at that nice. day. And you, you and, and, to be honest, you'd be super efficient as well, to be honest, because you know you have this time that you have to get this time of work done. And then, yeah, get it done. I mean, and evenings you have, and it's just, just and I'm super happy that I have a son now at this age where I have the energy to do it and not wait until, like, maybe older. And I do recommend that. Yeah. And this is every parent that says that just to let all the people skip. I'll, I'll, sure <laughs> I'll make sure my wife doesn't <laughs> listen to this part. <laughs> I'm sure Sylvia's been sending her emails or text messages already <laughs> about it. So, so it's like that. Yeah. So um, I guess like the other thing I wanted to quickly touch on, I actually skipped this, is you mentioned it's really good to have a supportive kind of work a uh, job that they, they're supporting you in your phd studies and what you want yeah. to do i think that's super valuable because my experience has been i've seen both sides of the coin specifically with this company um as you are all aware i when i joined my current company which i i'm leaving soon uh the first couple of years it, it was an amazing experience i mean when you have people that are so smart and advanced leaders you know not a boss but leaders you want to go and do your best for them because you're learning every day. It's like you, you want to impress them so much that um, you improve every day. You, you just can't sit still. Otherwise you stagnate and you go down and it's that environment where everyone is improving together. Yeah. Fast forward to when we integrated with the new company that got us on like credit to them and everything they stand for and everything. But that experience was lost. The leaders of the company left um, and I was left with a boss. And now it's all of a sudden, me being the person that would do 18 to 20 hour days, let's say sometimes happily, suddenly mm. that changed into me doing like 16, 18 hour days and being completely like tired of it and just hating my job. And, um, you know, every uh -huh. day showing up, I felt like a robot. I had no emotion towards my job anymore. It's, it, it makes such a difference when the company really invests in you as a person and seeks to improve you, seeks to make you better versus you just being a number um, yeah. on some payroll. And that's unfortunately the difference that I felt. So um, I did make the decision to leave that company. And I think it's been the best decision 
yet. I, I still haven't left, but like since handing in my notice, I feel relieved because that workload is the workload is still there. It's a lot, but I will not give a single minute more than my nine to five hours. I'm like, you, this is my life beyond that. You know, you guys yeah. don't get that anymore because if you didn't invest in me, okay, yeah. regardless of, it doesn't have to just be financially. It can be sit down with me and discuss growth. Where am I going to get to? Something that was previously done. Mm. Um, then I don't think I should give an extra minute to my job. And I recommend no one else do that to the job unless you're really passionate about what you're doing, unless you really believe in what you're doing, you believe yeah. in the team, then by all means, give all the time you can. So yeah, yeah the, the, having that kind of environment of work where they support you is what really stood out from what you were saying when yeah. uh, you were discussing the PhD. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could, everyone could be passionate about their work and everyone should be in, in a certain, certain level. But it doesn't, like, company or a firm should always give something back and I think it's very easy as as us and I I I consider us as kind of newly in the work industry we haven't had I don't know four or five years experience three years I don't, I don't know it's not six it's not years for me <laughs> yeah I mean but I still think that's quite I think still that's quite yeah early because if you see yourself from the first interviews where you trying to sell yourself to the company i'm sure if you go to now to another interview you will be sitting down there and you will let the new place sell themselves to you absolutely and that's exactly and, how it is now and 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 that's and that's the mentality now we will go into a new workplace if that is ever going to happen and understanding that and kind of accepting it is, is a very, very, very important move because if you're always going to go to an interview and try to sell yourself more than letting the company sell, like or the firm sell themselves to you, then you're always going to be at this kind of level of employment, which is what I call the paper pusher in that kind of sense where <laughs> just let you do all the other stuff and some yeah. people are very happy with that. And I don't think that's anything wrong with that. And um, it's all about what you want, uh, what you, what you yes. seek. Yes. Um, so, but I, I could see it when you talk about it, when we talked about it before, next company, you're going to give them a bit of hard time in the interview and you're going to really tell them, okay, what can you, what could you do for me? You know, that, that's about me. Yeah. Uh, your experience you has, like my experience has spoken for itself. The things I have achieved, and I'm sure everyone in this stage in their career, the same stage as me, uh, we, we have achieved those certain things. Now it's a matter of the next company, and this is again coming from one of my prior mentors. He's like, don't look at the, don't look at the next job. Like, don't be focused about the like the next company shouldn't matter. You should be focused on the job after that. So the next company that you interview for should give you the tools to get that following job. And that is some of the best advice. Yeah. I mean, it's super simple, but it's some of the best advice I've ever heard. And that's why, whereas mm. in year one after uni, um, you know, you kind of accept everything that comes your way. And I did. I, I accepted a job that came my way strictly because <laughs> I it got my foot like, into the door. Whereas there's a lot of people that I graduated with that still yeah. aren't in the industry. In all fairness, whatever industry they're in, I'm sure they're happy. But uh, I had my goal of being in the industry that I studied for. So 
basically it, yeah. it, it's a matter of like then accepting everything you can get now i'm i'm extremely picky it's like you, you have to sell this to me now i can afford to say no i can afford to reject a position because i i believe i'm worth more i believe i can do more and i i think that's super valuable yeah. for people at this stage in their careers to kind of put their foot down and say this is what i'm worth no but that's 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 such a nice thing to hear as well because that means I mean, some people will think that's cockiness or they think it's arrogantness, but I think that's confident and it's security and it's like believe in yourself. And that's where it always starts, where you could just believe yeah. in yourself first, what you could do before the others. And uh, I always admire that about you as well, that you kind of just push boundaries in that kind of way and you just get your way in that kind of sense and just okay if this is not happening because it's very easy like in your situation because now you're at that stage where you're just giving your eight hours a day but you've done that plus giving in your notice which is like an extra step to be on in my kind of sense because any other person that doesn't have any confidence or a bit unsecure in that kind of sense would say okay you know what i accept that i'm just here i'm just going to give them eight hours but i'm not going to give them my notice and then that's very easy to be kind of stuck in that kind of, yeah, in that kind of bubble. But um, you know, uh, I believe in you. All, all of us believe like that you're gonna find the place, and uh, so there is no worries about that in that in yeah, any sense. So it's gonna, uh, it. gonna be fun. Yeah, looking forward to. It. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to taking a step back and actually recovering, which is super important. But um, that, those are some of the main things I wanted to discuss, uh, Murti. I, I'm definitely going to have you on uh, way more because I think we, we've just like discovered, like just discuss a small portion of all the things we do want to discuss. I was worried that we're not going to have, uh, how are we going to fill this time? But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. Uh, is there anywhere where people can follow your work or is there any any platforms or anything where architecture related <laughs> uh, <laughs> it feels like there i am absolutely so bad it but i uh uh simple google search with my name you see the papers i've put out and uh, uh the work and uh, online portfolio like a small portfolio that i have uh, but uh, work website where you could see the works that I've worked on, but not really kind of social media or anything. Like it's really, really boring actually. But <laughs> maybe, maybe I should I should start that. But I uh, um, no, you know me on social media. Like, you, you you are uh, you are not. I live on social media. <laughs> you do yeah uh, but um but, thank yeah. you for coming on man i really enjoyed uh speaking to you and uh I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to all the future episodes we're going to do on different topics i'm definitely going to bug you thanks uh, well it was uh it was super nice and uh i really enjoyed it and uh, i hope right. to see you, you soon too, brother. definitely brother. see you later bye-bye yourself bye, -bye. Take care of yourself. bye. bye.